today marks almost exactly three months since John died by suicide. It has been a very crazy three months of a lot of different things happening, of a lot of different feelings and different things that I'm experiencing. And honestly, it feels like a lifetime ago that I had a husband and my kids had a father. After the funeral and the ceremony with the army that we had for him, I have been really trying to focus on myself and doing the best that I can for myself in order to be there for my kids. And this mainly means that I am exercising and I'm eating better and I'm trying to show them that this is how to take care of yourself from the inside out. But it also helps me because I feel like having an organized exercise plan and some sort of idea on how I should be eating has also been really helpful. Hasn't been the easiest, but even just sticking to a three-day week exercise plan has been somewhat calming, not only because it helps me get out some of my anxiety, but it also helps me just have, okay, I'm doing this today and I know what I'm doing for the next 45 minutes. And sometimes that is one of the most comforting things that I have found. Also, in the last three months, I felt that I've had a lot of social anxiety. It is nerve-wracking for me to go out in public because I don't know what questions I'm going to be asked. I don't know the things that my son is going to say and having to explain the fact that my husband is dead and he died by suicide is difficult for me. It's like opening a whole new wound that I didn't expect to have. And it's really easy just to sit home and try to avoid that. But I've been making myself suck it up and go out in order to do things with them and to make them not be just home with me and making sure that they have good experiences and making sure that they are around people because both of them, even Piper at, you know, 11 months old is a crazy extrovert. So they need to be, they love being around people and I've kind of got to suck it up. A couple of examples is I got Jack started back in jujitsu that was one thing that we used to do before we moved into my parents' house. Um, we did jujitsu a couple days a week up in Cromwell. And he really liked it. So I found a place. And I 
no, he's a little young for that place. And they even told me, like, he's kind of young. And I told him, I was like, listen, I don't really care if he gets the moves. I just want him to be here to have some of this training type thing. And I didn't tell them about John. The next practice they had, my mom and my brother brought Jack because I had to do something. I can't remember what I was doing. And they had told them what was going on. And ever since then, I was always very anxious walking in there because now I am this tragedy that comes in every day or not every day, a couple times a week. And at least one person knows that my story and it's a difficult story. Luckily, they have been amazing. Um, they have accepted Jack and Jack does wonderful. I mean, he's not the best jujitsu person ever, but he practices. If he's talking too much, they tell him to stop you're talking too much, which he really needs. And it's been amazing. But I wouldn't have experienced that if I didn't at least first put myself out there and make myself go into this gym, which gave me I think a heart rate of you know like 130 because I was just so nervous about walking in there and Jack announcing to the whole gym my dad's up in heaven which wouldn't be beyond him but he hasn't done it yet another things that I've experienced are going to different places and meeting parents with kids like I said Jack and Piper are very much extroverts they or Jack plays a lot with other kids. We actually went to Antigua recently, and it's really it was a lovely trip. But Jack also met a couple of kids on the beach, and they had a good time together. And of course, it's me and my mom and my kids. Luckily, we're in an age where nobody really bats an eye to that. Um, but it is nerve-wracking. And I remember at one point, Jack had said, oh, yeah, my daddy's up in heaven. And a mom kind of shot me a look, and I kind of turned away from it. And she didn't say anything. I didn't elaborate on it, but it's just kind of this, this cloud that hangs over my head. Because I don't necessarily want to talk about the way that John died. Which is shitty. It's shitty that because he died by suicide, it's hard to talk about. You know, talking about my dad is, he died of a, I think a cardiac complication. And talking about John is just so different because he did die by suicide. And he kind of chose this. Or that's one way of thinking about it. That's the way some people think about it. That's the way I think about it sometimes. But I also know that deep in my heart that he was at absolute fucking war in his head with that. That he was, I think, holding on by a string for a while to be there for me and the kids. And to hopefully make it to this deployment so he could focus on something else. But... I know that he was tortured, and I know that he was struggling, and 
I could never put myself in that place and I don't know how he feels. And although it can feel shameful and it can feel so frustrating sometimes to have somebody that you love die by suicide, it's important, I think, to remember that they are going through a lot. They're going through a battle that you can't see. And that is an amount of suffering that a lot of us won't even know. I have had, I have lost two of the most important men in my life in a less than six month span and I have not been suicidal. I've been sad. I've not wanted to get out of bed. I've wanted to drink a lot. I've wanted to do a lot of things, but kill myself has never been one of them. So to be in that mental state is so beyond my thought process. And so is somewhere that I have not been. It's hard to even think about how much suffering somebody can go through. But even with that thought process, it's hard to still talk about the fact that he died by suicide. It still, you know, is a difficult conversation to have with different people and to talk to your kids or even other kids' people to know, other people's kids to know about that. It's just. It's not an easy way. It's not an easy type of death to talk about. But that's also why I'm here. It's because it should be something that's talked about more. It should be something that people should spend more preventative time on. especially veterans, especially people in EMS, especially anybody that sees the shit that we see on a regular basis. It's hard. It's not easy. And we probably have the worst mental health help there is. One thing that has been abundantly helpful is... Finding a therapist. My son's therapist actually gave me the name of somebody because I was having a a hard time finding someone. And she was great. But she didn't take my insurance. So we had one conversation together. After that, there was a military resource and I can't remember the name of it but I'll be sure to link it in the show notes and they are from the VA and they reached out to me and asked if I need any help and I was like yeah I really need to figure out a therapist and they were able to find me one and they cover it for 10 visits which is amazing and I met this lovely Lady Maureen, who I have seen about three times now. And I think the shitty thing about therapy is you know that it's going to be a tough day whenever you have therapy. 
You know you're going to be working through some stuff. You know you're going to cry. But, oh my God, has it been so worth it. Before I really started talking to somebody regularly about how I'm feeling, I would have these constant thoughts in my head, mainly just telling me how shitty of a person I am that I didn't realize my husband was suicidal and all these ways I could have prevented it and how I feel not worthy of his love and not worthy of him sticking around for me and not worthy of anybody else's love and all of these other really kind of crappy thoughts about myself. I was also walking around very numb to life. I felt like I just kind of had this weird force field that encompassed my body and a floating box right next to me. And that floating box was full of all of my feelings and sadness. And every once in a while, I just, it would be overfilled because I hadn't talked about it. And I would just break out and cry or something would happen and it'd open and I'd cry. And that's kind of how I dealt with life for a month or two. And after I started talking to her, I feel that force field of numbness slowly shrinking and I feel that box of feelings going away and I'm feeling those shitty things that I say about myself kind of slowly going away because there's somebody that has no idea who I am and they're telling me that it wasn't me, that it was him. And that there was probably nothing that I could do, as much as that sucks. But it's helpful to hear it from somebody else. It's helpful to hear it from someone who isn't someone who loves you or one of his friends or someone just that's trying to make you feel better. It's been really, I think, important for me to talk about how I feel candidly, which is also very difficult for me because I always think to myself, oh, I can handle it. Like I can just, I'll figure it out. I'll be fine. And really, I'm not fine. I'm not, I'm functioning as a human. I'm functioning as a parent, but I do notice myself getting frustrated easily I do notice or noticed me, you know, maybe drinking more than I should be or trying to just numb my feelings in some way. And really, I need to talk about them. And I don't want to be at a place where I am so far gone that I can't talk about it, that I'm so guarded and numb that I just don't exist in a normal life anymore. I need to be better than that. 
for myself and I need to be better than that for my kids and show that they're that it's okay to talk about your feelings it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to work through stuff and not do it on your own and I think that's been definitely something that has brought me out of a couple of really dark places and a couple of really dark times where I just felt so shitty about myself that he didn't love me, that no one will ever love me, and that I'm just an idiot for not seeing what was going on in his life. It has also taken me about this long to actually think about us and him in a positive remembrance way. And to clarify that, it's been really hard to look at his pictures or think about our memories together and not still be mad. And not think about arguments we've had or think about negative memories that we've had because that's where we left in our relationship. Very unresolved in a very negative space. And I can finally look back at pictures and think of different times that we had that were really happy together because we had a lot of really happy times together. We have a lot of great memories. But it was just so hard looking at them and not just being mad and not just being angry that it tainted a lot of my memories and it tainted a lot of, I think, my dreams of him and it tainted a lot of just pictures I looked at. It's those unresolved feelings that I hold on to a lot still. I still think of our argument. I still think of different things I could have done better, but it's becoming less and less. It's also around that time where there's less and less people checking in on you. You're not getting a lot of cards or any cards at all on a regular basis, sympathy cards, you know, just checking on you, that kind of thing. And sometimes it's honestly nice. I will say that I have never appreciated anybody more in my life than anybody that's reached out. I love it. I am so thankful for it. But sometimes reading sympathy cards over and over and over again, it gets difficult and it gets sad and it's hard. You just don't want people feeling bad for you all the time. And that's just kind of how it is for a while. But now that all of that's over, it's different. It's, I'm not going to say it's good. I do miss, you know, people coming over and being at the house I do miss the guys because they're 
all on their merry way somewhere. And I know they'll all be back. But I guess the part that really sucks is that John's not going to be back. And I think that's going to be a really hard time for me. Even though that's not going to be for another, I don't know, 6 to 12 months. But it's still, it's something I think about because it's something that's kind of happening right now. Is everybody is leaving and then they're going to be coming back. But John never left to go and he's never going to come back. And that's really settling in, the fact that he's not here. This kind of, okay, I'm making my new life, my new routine without him has been really sad. Because it's not just a routine until he gets back. It's, this is our new life routine. This is us living life without John. This is getting back into normal life without everybody coming over, without people cooking for you, without, you know, a house full of camo-clad people that make lewd jokes and hang out on the, on the back deck, you know, as benign as that is, it was so nice to have and it's just it's just not there anymore and that's that can't be every day that can't be every moment and I don't want it to be every moment because people need to live their lives but it's just kind of creating our new life without all of this and without John that's really been been I think the biggest thing been the most difficult thing is creating a new normal So I guess that's my three-month update on how life is. We are doing okay. I'm getting better. The kids are doing great. We still talk about John all the time. In fact, Jack had a really amazing memory of him. When I gave him Cheetos one day, or cheese puffs, and he's like, hey, I had this with my dad. I was like, oh, yeah? He said, yeah, after I got my haircut, we went and got hot dogs and sat in his truck and had these and hot dogs. And that's just lovely. And I'm glad he has those memories, and I hope he keeps those memories. I hope I have better memories, and I'm working towards thinking about us in a more positive light in our relationship and remembering us in a more positive light and not just the unresolved anger that I have about everything but it's a process this whole life is going to be a process and I'm glad that I have so many people that love us and so many people that reached out and so many resources that I'm lucky to have All I can say as my advice is if you're dealing with anything is definitely go seek out some sort of sort of therapy. 
Find something that works for you. Find some space where you can get out your feelings because honestly, it sucks while you're going through it, but it's so worth it afterwards. To get all of that weight off your chest is so helpful that it's worth the pain that you have to relive for a little bit to get it out of there. So to wrap up, this was my first update episode. I'll probably be doing these every couple of months. I think the biggest takeaway from this one is that there's a lot of feelings that come with somebody that dies by suicide and they're there even after everybody else leaves. So make sure that you take care of yourself because you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. I'll see you next time on Died by Suicide.